0: Good afternoon, this is the weekly wrap for Saturday, September 9th. Well, we finished the week in a pretty mild trade with corn up two cents on the December contract, beans down six, wheat unchanged in Chicago, up 10 cents in KC, and cotton was down four cents. Not a lot of action by the speculators. They ended up uh, peeling their position down on beans by 8,000 contracts, so they're long 82,000. They bought back 6,000 contracts of corn, so but they're still short 94,000 contracts. They added to their short in wheat, and so they're now short almost 100,000 contracts. And in cotton, they bought 4,000 more contracts, so they're long a hefty 52,000 contracts. looks like the speculators are getting well ahead of the uh, physical trade uh, with this pretty severe length. Um, the export sales report was very good for soybeans. Big sales again, old crop and new. Um, pretty strong for corn and wheat, but not you know, anything crazy strong. And then cotton had a very weak export sales report, uh, confirming sort of the merchant view that demand remains very soft. Crop condition report came out on Monday, showing the corn crop dropped 3%, beans dropped 5%, Cotton dropped 2%, and this is all in the good to excellent category. So year over year right now, corn is 1% below last year at 53%. Beans are at 53%, good to excellent. That's down 4% versus last year. Cotton is at 31%, good to excellent, and that's down 4% versus last year. So the crop condition rating for cotton is now below last year. And it's pretty stark as it is in Texas. Um, we're only at 11% good to excellent right now. And that mean, and that is down from 17% last year. Remember last year, South Texas had a pretty darn good crop. And the crop Plainview North was very good too. Um, this year, we lost the Plainview North crop. And the South Texas crop got very much roughed up with the bad weather. So it's interesting that the uh, the ratings are all now below last year uh, for every major crop. Uh, While crop condition ratings are historically not a very good correlation to final yields, it is sort of an indication of the direction of the crop. And we know that with the last two to three weeks of extreme drought and heat in the upper Midwest, we probably did some pretty severe uh, damage to the corn and soybean crops up there. We continue to get very roughed up in West Texas. now. There have been a number of computer-generated uh, crop estimators out with their numbers. Uh, these are based on satellite imageries, precip averages, temperature averages, and something called the NDVI, which is sort of an infrared-based uh, satellite imagery. And without fail, almost every one of these is still calling for a record yield. Uh, Allendale, 177. Um Uh, One computer generated uh, forecast is at 178, one is at 184, if you can believe it, for a national yield on corn. So it's no surprise that the speculators are leaning heavily on this modeling for what is a very large short position for corn this time of year. And so uh, now sort of the final test will be yields. And we will get start getting some of that information. Uh, we've got some harvest going on right now, but it'll really pick up steam over the next three to four weeks. We will get the USDA's estimate on crops uh, on Tuesday. So they'll, they'll give us their yield revisions. Uh, they will be walking fields and uh, pulling out on their samples uh, the, the number of ears, the length of ears, the amount of kernels. And for those uh, ears that are finished, that are mature, they'll actually weigh those ears. But right now that's gonna be only about 15% of the crop. So the data will not be complete. It'll still uh, be subject to large variability going forward. But it will be the first step in the process of the USDA's understanding of this yield. What is the market expecting for this report? Well, they're looking for a slight drop in the corn yield, slight drop in the bean yield, and a slight drop in the cotton yield and a tightening of the carryouts for all three, although cotton, you know, we're already up against pipeline inventories, so uh, I'm not expecting much of a move in carryouts um, from the USDA in this report. Uh, the macro picture is China continues to support their market with stimulus in various forms. It hasn't really kicked in yet in the in data, But, uh, you know, when China's committed to revitalizing their economy, they're going to pull out all the tools as best they can. Uh, Right now, it's not um, kicking in in a big way, but I expect more stimulus down the road. They will, one way or another, get their economy revitalized here. Russia-Ukraine war continues to linger on. More bombing of port infrastructure in Odessa and in the Danube River area, which is an internal uh, river. Uh, right up against the uh, romanian border where they've been heavy heavy shelling and that's only basically 100 meters from the border of romania which is a nato country so it is opening the door to you know the possibility of if something goes wrong and a bomb lands in romania all of a sudden we have a nato country involved in this war so we'll keep an eye on that Meanwhile, the U.S. has committed more money, another $175 million, and is considering more tactical aid in the form of longer-range missiles, which would change the shape um, of this war that would allow Ukraine to strike deeper into Russia. So probably not a good development for the war, but uh, we're going to keep an eye on that development as well. I know the market has become completely numb uh, from the uh, from this uh, war and its impact on Grain and shipments and so you know it's it's probably at a very low point in its effect on the markets but cumulatively at some point there's no doubt that this is not going to end well in the long run federal reserve was very quiet this week they didn't have many speakers out there shooting their mouth off talking about their commitment to kill inflation uh, because it's already kind of doing it itself right now so we do get another CPI read on Wednesday that is expected to come in slightly lower again, as the rent component of uh, this calculation is supposed to roll down more aggressively over the next several months. And so this, if if the CPI comes in a little lower again, the Fed can sit around and declare victory on inflation. The problem is, is that um, You know, we we are starting to see a rally in crude oil prices. They closed at 86.81. This is the highest weekly close since last November. Um, We are now on a weekly basis above the 50-week, the 100-week, and the 200-week moving average. So from a technical perspective, this is a breakout as well. We haven't been above all those moving averages since uh, last September, which is uh, now a year ago. And what you're seeing is now the uh, the cuts by Saudi Arabia and OPEC in production starting to sink in, bite into the actual balance sheet. Um, Saudi Arabia announced an extension of that one million barrel per day cut that they announced back in May. Uh, that was in addition to the 1.5 million barrels they announced last October, right before the election, midterm election. They announced another one here in May and said that that one would be reviewed on a monthly basis. Well, uh, on Wednesday, they extended that cut um, through the end of the year. So that 1 million barrel per day cut will now be in place through December. That uh, added more uh, bids into the crude oil market and confirmed the idea that we will see 90 by the end of the quarter and probably 100 by the end of the year, $100 a barrel. The global balance sheet is getting physically tighter every day, demand has been far stronger than anybody thought, and, and now we're in a situation where uh, Saudi Arabia is in full control of the price. We are trapped. Um, we, it was a combination of variables that got us caught in this spot here. We've spent the last seven or eight or nine years with a lack of investment in crude oil, in fossil fuels because of a political agenda that we believed that they were evil. And so there wasn't uh, the government funding or the permitting process allowed for that expansion. Uh, Costs have gone up on manufacturers in the form of labor and interest rates, making it far more expensive to drill. And then now there's even the political element where OPEC is basically angry at the United States for sort of the trickery that we pulled on the releasing of the SPR and not refilling it. And then, you know, financially manipulating the price of oil for that year and a half. Uh, angered OPEC and now they're gonna get their way with this market. Unfortunately, it's gonna happen for Joe Biden during a political year, during an election year, so this is gonna get very interesting uh, down the road here. From a marketing perspective, we are in a dead zone sort of information. We've just started harvesting some in Illinois and Iowa and some of the yields at the moment are highly variable. It is the early part of the crop that was uh, arguably supposed to do better than the rest. But you know we just obviously don't have enough real-world information to get a handle on yields. I am looking at rainfall totals, subsoil moisture levels, um, intensity of heat and drought, and the last three weeks have been absolutely brutal uh, in West Texas, in Kansas, in Nebraska. Um, you know record dryness in those areas. Uh, then you know for crops that are still trying to develop in Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, even in northern Illinois particularly devastating because we hit those crops that might have been still during black layer, hit them with an extreme drought where some of their plants have shut down completely. So, um, you know, based on this finishing weather, uh, I'm going to lower my yield on corn down to 167. That's the national yield estimate. That'll be eight bushels below the current USDA estimate. For beans, I'm going to lower it to 47 I think the impact on, on the weather on beans was far more catastrophic. <clears throat> so that right now the government's at 50.7, so I'm going to be about four bushels below the USDA on their estimate on beans, and that'll be some 330 million bushels off the production on beans. Remember, the carryout's 240 million bushels, so we're going to basically run you know, it, the carryout below zero, and, and that will require severe, severe demand rationing on exports. The problem is, is that you know, the later we get on that information getting to the market, the more rationing we're going to have to do because China's been in basically almost every day, every other day, buying beans. For corn, it'll be mean a loss of about 700 million bushels. Should take the carryout down, but the government would mostly offset that with a lot of demand loss on exports. So we won't have as tight a balance sheet on corn as we did last year, but it's still going to be tight enough Uh, These target pricing related to these yield losses, I'm going to put beans in the $16 to $17 a bushel area once that full yield loss is is fully acknowledged. And on corn, if we end up at $167, $168, that ought to get corn back to the $6 mark. So those are the pricing targets that I'm working with. Uh, In cotton, I I think the the final estimate is going to be closer to 13 million bales. Right now, the government's at 14. That'll be a combination of higher abandonment and lower yields a little bit, um, and so that'll get us to 13. That will force the government to lower export demand down to 11.5 million bales. That would be the lowest exports we've had since the 2011-2012 year. so we would have to go back 10 years to see an export program that low on cotton. Now many in the market have been talking about weak demand and it sure has showed up in the form of export sales, but the smaller this crop gets, the smaller exports we need, and until we can finalize and and finally get that number nailed down, the argument of weak demand only goes so far. The reality is we're already up against pipeline levels and we may require more demand rationing if this U.S. cotton crop shrinks another million bales. So in my mind, that puts the cotton trade, once fully realized, the scale of these losses, in the $0.90 cent to $1 range. What changes this, or sort of what adds more fuel to the variability in these ranges of prices, remember $16, $17 beans, $6 corn-ish, and the $0.90 cent to a dollar cotton are three things, crude oil prices, We've targeted $100 by the end of the year. That is a very bullish variable for all these commodities. But if for some reason the balance sheet gets a lot tighter into the first quarter or even second quarter of next year, if we end up with $120 or $140 crude, I just don't know whether we get there, but it looks like based on the the, uh, progression of these balance sheets, those targets are very well within reach. You could see higher grain prices and higher cotton prices than this. The second variable would be of course south american weather um, the el nino is locked in argentina is starting to get some rain northern brazil is starting to dry out that would be a typical signature of a strong el nino year um, the geopolitical of course ukraine uh, the volatility related to the war there if that were to escalate you've got governments getting overthrown in africa and then you may have a new leader in argentina Uh, that may be more free market oriented and moving away from the socialist model. Not sure exactly what that means down there for them politically, and then of course for their business climate. So there's a fair amount of geopolitical uh, developments that that, uh, may show up here as well. So we're gonna keep an eye on all of these variables. Remember, the government report on Tuesday is only part of the information. It doesn't define the balance sheet for the rest of the year. So I never overreact on one government report. But I think there is the possibility of the USDA coming in with bigger yield losses that would surprise the market and and basically set a floor in these markets uh, going into the end of the year. All right, that's the update. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS. Talk to you soon.